0: Welcome to all of you. My name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny in your lives. You've come to the right place. So for those of you that are new, I want to introduce you first of all, just briefly, to a website I have at ultimatemeaning.com. That's ultimatemeaning.com. And there you will find a flip book. And there is original writing and understanding by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that you can read. And you'll find a lot of the print is highlighted in red. Those are actually links to YouTube videos, which are very profound and amazing from many fields of science that highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing here about. So check that out. There's also on there now, a whole video series I have, highly confirming, again, what I am sharing about, which is the very reason for which you were created and all things exist and consist in this universe. It is the very source of creation, the ultimate reality. In the Old Testament, in the Bible, the word for Jehovah, which is more accurately pronounced, Yahweh, in the English, it's the word Lord. And often the word is Lord God in the English Bible. And so the word Lord, is the word Yahweh, and then the word for God is Elohim, which literally means the Almighties, which is referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for God to be indeed Almighty, he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which is beyond creation, in creation and filling all creation in omnipresence. So he must be in three personages as the Father, meaning the originator, beyond creation, beyond time and space. The Son is the full expression of the one true God, the Father, into the creation realm to communicate and experience the creation realm and its limitations. And so God is ruling in personage in the creation realm as the sun. And also in omnipresence, filling all dimensions of time and space, filling all dimensions of existence and creation because there are many dimensions far superior to the physical dimension. And so God, to be almighty, must be in conscious, intelligent rule, in other words, in personage, in these three ultimate aspects of existence. And so I am introducing you to the very source of reality. The word for Yahweh actually is basically the ultimate reality that's separate and above and beyond creation. The I am that I am. So it's the ultimate reality, Almighty's one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I'm here to share with those that have come to know the one true God, which in John 17 it says, for whom to know is life eternal, to know Jesus Christ and the Father, to know the one true God by experience in a relationship that is restored with him. So this is briefly what I am sharing for those that are new to all of this. And the other aspect that is even more significant is that this ultimate source of reality could only be an ultimate perfection of love. Nothing else could be the source of reality. So let me explain that. I am talking about a love that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice, freely always chooses the highest lasting good because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it this love has such purity and integrity that as it were it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love that always chooses the highest lasting good and the moment love would condone corruption or what is contrary to love it would no longer be love it would be partaker corruption but this love is the opposite of corruption in fact it is the destroyer of corruption and that is the essential aspect that only could be the source of reality because what is reality well the dictionaries define truth as that which is real or reality and if you define look at all the different dictionaries and how they define reality it's basically that which is indestructible immovable unchangeable absolute only this quality I'm describing a love could possibly be that, and it's represented in the negative symbol in math, which represents cutting off all corruption and an indestructible foundation, the very source of reality, in other words. From that can spring forth creation that can go on without corruption and means that there can be the assurance of an ultimate destiny where there is no corruption known as heaven. Even in science, the second law of thermodynamics says that anything left on its own always goes in the direction of order to total eventual chaos. The fact that we are in a universe that is highly complex and organized and designed with even the beauty of the creation you're seeing in the background of where I'm speaking here means that there is that ultimate reality because we should have, according to the second law of thermodynamics, come to total chaos in the infinite past. I could go on talking. People believe in the theory of evolution. Well, you go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. Consider this. Evolution applied to an infinite past or a very long past, billion, billion years, or whatever you want to say, and there are many dimensions far superior to the physical dimension, and some other dimension, or whatever, or in the physical dimension. If you apply evolution, that would evolve to an ultimate order. What would that ultimate order possibly be? Well, what I am describing to you is the ultimate order. that always was, before there was time, beyond time. And of course, I'm not here. I have many videos that go into explaining all of these things, which you can find on my website at ultimatemeaning.com. I'm just introducing for those that are telling you the reality of what I'm sharing here. It's not some religion to believe in. It is reality. It is the only reality, what I am sharing here, that is indeed the truth and the reason for which you were created. Now, the other aspect of this love the first aspect I've described, it's represented in the negative symbol. The second aspect is represented in the positive symbol, which is formed out of crossing out the negative symbol. The quality of this being of love, that is, God is love, the Bible says. God is love. It's talking about agape love, this highest form of love, that is greater than the love which is philia in the Greek, which is the feeling love, and eros, which is the sexual love this love is so great that it was always so, even before this creation was created, in the being of God, that there was a love so great, so ultimate in its perfection, that God is could become a perfect, atoning, substitutionary sacrifice to take judgment upon himself because of your choice to rebel against his love. In other words, God loved you so much that he humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, on the cross in Jesus Christ. He suffered more than you, a mere creature, on the cross in Jesus Christ. So that you could freely choose to repent and be reconciled to God. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this love, or that could exist that is greater than this love. Only this love that I'm describing could possibly be worthy to be entrusted with unlimited authority, life, and power without abusing it in a corrupt way or being corrupted by it, thus indicative that He is the very source the very one true eternal God, Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or you could say the ultimate love life source, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I'm here to share with you the good news. And this video is for those that have come to receive Jesus Christ. Yes, God didn't create us as machines that just exist because of the input of man putting various systems of knowledge together. No, he created us with beings with a capacity to love that are self-originating. And I can't get into all the nuisances of people saying, oh, machines are these big intelligent ID systems are becoming conscious. No, they're not. As much as you want to believe they are, I've seen many scientists, and I have in my book, all, you know, actual video links to scientists showing how that is absolutely impossible. These novices that say all these conceited things out of their conceit and pride because they don't want to believe in the one true God. Well, they will find out someday. But God created us with free will so that we would have the capacity to love. But when you are created with the the capacity to love, in other words, you're the source of your own action and therefore self-responsible so that you can't blame God for creating the devil and all the other free will beings. When you're the source of your own action, have the capacity to love, which is the highest form of life and the greatest pleasure that can be experienced and the highest form of governance, that is the very source of creation itself. This capacity to love means that there's potential to make choices that are contrary to this ultimate reality, that result in choices that cause and hell-contagious anti-existence, anti-life state of being, in rebellion against God so that you are cut off from God, and not only that, if you refuse to receive this love of God that went to such an extent so that you could be forgiven, you will exist in eternity that is worse than non-existence, a torment that is worse than any torment you can experience in this present, very inferior physical realm. That's what people experience that have died, and entered the afterlife and experienced hell. I've written a book on that, which you can get on Amazon, which is titled, Afterlife Incredible, Irrefutable. And you can find a link to that on my website at ultimatemeaning.com if you want. I needn't go and point it out right now. I mean, you can go there. There is an author link on there. And these video messages are also found on my other website at loverewise.com. That's loverealized.com. There, there is also links to the book that I just mentioned, Afterlife. You can get it on, it's called Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable. You can get it or go straight to Amazon and get it. Well, I wanna get into sharing what I receive today and what I do in these messages as I seek to do what the word of God commands in 1 Peter 4.11. It says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So I will seek to speak this day and allow God to speak through me. Now, how, do, how does that happen? Well, Revelations 19.10 explains it. It says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you worship God out of a pure heart, in spirit and in truth with great reverence and humility after you've received Jesus Christ and made him the center treasure of your life. When you do that, you are filled with His spirit and an overflow beyond yourselves that can result in utterances that are coming from God by his spirit. Beyond yourself. So I will seek to give these messages with very little preparation out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. And that's what the way it should always be in every gathering around Christ, in every assembly across the nations of the world, and here in Canada where I live and in the United States. And it's greatly lacking. I have a book also on Amazon you can get called Godheadship in Body Invasion. And in that book, it is calling for a new order to come into local assemblies throughout the world to bring in the fulfillment of John 17 that Christ prayed for. I can't go into that right now for time, but you can check it out. We can never go back to being the church the way we were. We are in a long time of such serious crisis, the threat of nuclear war, people don't even realize what's going on. You know, if I put this video up on YouTube, I'm thinking I'm gonna start switching over to rumble because there's so many things I wanna say that I don't wanna, I can't say on a YouTube video. But I think most of us know there's many serious things happening in the world right now that are very threatening. For example, the world economy and so on and so forth. So another thing I do is I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. And I use two independent random applications to get the possibility so that I get two chapters. That those two chapters would bear witness with each other as to what God would be saying by his spirit. I spend just a half an hour meditating on those two chapters and then I preach. Sometimes immediately after. This time it's after I've had my second meal. I only have two meals. So... I am, it's in the evening now, it's already three minutes after nine. So I want to share with you not only the two chapters I received today, but more so maybe some of the others because I haven't had the opportunity so much at this particular time to give as many messages because I've got income tax going, that i got to get done, and then on top of it, I'm doing some other things to get all my debt uh, paid off. Let's put it that way and uh, so i do have some things i'm trying to get done that are taking up a lot of time that's the only reason the messages are reduced right now compared to the norm Um, i want to share with you first of all that i also choose a song to go with the message that i think is appropriate often it is by the casting of a lot but many times when I do it by the casting of the lot, I still don't choose it because I want one that can go on my um, playlist that's on my website where you can use an overhead projector if you're connected to the internet and can go to YouTube and you can choose out of right now 144 really high quality worship songs that have the words up there and everything. And so I always choose a song like that and I'm very fussy about the songs I choose. And um, so... I really couldn't. The one I got by lot out of a 1,257 possible worship songs today was 486. I don't know most of these songs myself, and it was Dying with Jesus by Death, Wreck, and Mine, Living with Jesus, a new life divine, Looking to Jesus till glory doth shine, Moment by moment, O Lord, I am thine. Moment by moment, I'm kept in his love. And it goes on, and that's just the first verse, and there's five verses. Looking to Jesus till glory does shine. Wow, it's wonderful words. Never a battle with wrong for the right, never a contest that he doth not fight. Lifting above us his banner so white, moment by moment I'm kept in his sight. And so on. Beautiful song. Well, the one I chose to worship with, because it can go on the overhead projector, we'll do that right now. So we're going to go with that song right here. And uh, so I will minimize myself very shortly here. Awesome. This song is, oh, I was even touched to the point of tears singing that song as I almost felt like the Spirit of God was leaping up in me. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, what a relationship even now we experience of his presence in us when we are those that refuse to be those that partake of the desensitizing loves of the world that put us to sleep, and we seek to redeem each moment for the glory of God. There's no time to waste. Oh, God may allow you, you know, there's a time to refresh yourself, and I don't want to put people under bondage, but on the other hand, I don't want you to be those people that are robbed. And that spend hours watching sports. It's one of the biggest things that trips so many people up in the United States, Canada, and many parts of the world, as they're caught up with the gods of amusement, the gods of pleasure and materialism. And they're all at ease, all their bellies are full, and there's nothing wrong with having a, you know, being satisfied and being in good physical health. I am too, even though I'm 74 years old. <clears throat> But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when you know that abundance of life of the Spirit of God just in such a fullness within you, especially when you're with the saints or when you're singing a song like this, why would you want to live at ease? Because you're not really going to be at ease when you seek to live for yourself. You're going to find your rest in communion with God in the midst of the worst circumstances. You could still find such an abundance of life and fellowship. I think of the heavenly man, Brother Young. You can look him up on YouTube. Tortured for 10 years, terribly, by the Chinese Communist Party. He said he'd rather be in a prison, being tormented where he experiences such an abundance of the life of God in him, Then in some church, it's lukewarm. Brothers and sisters, it is time for us to wake out of our sleep, the sleep of the loves of this world that have dulled us and desensitized us and awakened to be that army that God is calling to, to come forth in this hour. And he's calling you to enter your destiny. So I want to share with you what I received today by the casting of Lot before God. So I will bring up The fact that first of all in the last while god has been speaking particularly about the soon return of christ and i can point this out because of what i received by the casting of lot and so i i will go back here and i will point out i did give a message on april the 15th and it was prophetic it was on revelation 6 and ezekiel 13 which are both prophetic passages Now, then I got some passages, which I won't go into. I will skip these ones. God knew I wasn't going to be preaching on them anyhow, but they are significant as well. This was on pride and the danger of pride. And then, and I just put this in as some extra stuff, but then again, I get Matthew 24, which is on the last days, and Zechariah 1, which basically is also about Jerusalem in the last days. I got that on Tuesday. So I'm just skipping this to point out what I've been receiving by the casting of the lot. Then on Wednesday, I got Daniel 11. And I really got into that and Jeremiah 20. Now, I didn't touch in Jeremiah 20 or even read it because I got so carried away with Daniel 11. But I could briefly point out what that's about as well. And I'm sure there's significance between those two chapters. At least the one can find as they meditate on it. Now that is, and then today I got again on the second coming of Christ. First Thessalonians 4 is on the second coming of Christ. And other things are in there as well. And first Samuel 8 which is on Israel wanting a king, and it really does relate to the second coming of Christ. And I summed it up in this paragraph here. The failure to pursue holiness and live a holy life filled with full love towards God and others allows us to fall prey to the deception of identity and leadership that leads to deception. And so that we are not prepared for the coming of Yahweh, the Almighty's. Of course, I did this by Mike, so sometimes there's a, a wrong spelling, right? So, um, basically, in this passage, it says, we'll begin reading in First Thessalonians 4, 6 to 9. It says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. This is talking about fornication and immoral relationships with other men. Women, in other words, some man has a wife, and some guy violates that relationship and commits adultery with her, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarn you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his holy. Spirit, but as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So God is emphasizing in this chapter in Thessalonians the importance of us living holy lives. It says that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. If we're not living a holy life, don't expect to be translated like Enoch was like Elijah was, and like will happen in the last days at the soon return of Christ. He is coming for those that love is appearing, it says. Those that love is appearing are not those that are desensitized and half asleep spiritually, they are fully awake in a passionate love relationship with God and are spending quality time in their lives to abide in God through a life of prayer, whether that's praying seven times a day or three times a day or however you do it. Some woman that has all kinds of children has 14 children. I know two lady friends of mine. Both of them come from families of seven brothers and seven sisters in the family, large Catholic families from the States. They're both friends of mine, one I don't haven't heard from for a while, but she's still a friend of mine. And so, someone like that, <laughs> they got to just pray while they're doing this and this, and I, I guess they can get their prayer life in that way. And also, whatever else God leads them to do. But here as we continue, in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 13, we read this. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Well, that's amazing. I just said it's the wise virgins that are going to be raptured. This seems to be saying, well, all we have to do is believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. Well, what he's saying here is those that truly believe in Jesus, believe with their whole lives into Jesus. In the Greek, when it says, when Christ said, whoever believes in me out of their innermost being would flow rivers of living water. In the Greek, it's literally saying, believes with their life into me, which means that our life is poured out of self in order to be poured into the life of Christ. And so to truly believe, as Christ said, how can you believe of the Pharisees? He says, how can you believe that seek honor one of another? You can't genuinely believe from the heart. If you are living and believing in other things as your supreme focus and energy and motivation, you're actually believing in lying delusions. As it says in Jonah, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. So we continue to read here. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, 1 Samuel 8, 4-9 relates to the second coming of the Christ, Because it reveals that the children of Israel did not have a close love relationship with the Lord. And that's revealed in the fact that they wanted a king. And God was displeased that they wanted a king. And so was Samuel. And so we read in verse 7, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day. So they're living lives that have not fully come out of Egypt, out of the gods of this present world. Egypt represents the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that's talked about in 1 John. So thus, they wanted an identity in a king because it gave them a sense of self-pride, of self-glory, rather than giving glory to God. They were filled with their own temporal desires of identity before the other nations. Look at us. We're somebody now. They wanted to be like the other nations, but the word of God says we were not to be conformed to the world. Now, I want to point out the other passages I've received and what God is saying. Particularly, I was moved by getting Daniel 11 yesterday. Of course, before that, there was Zechariah 1 and Matthew 24 which i think i also got earlier but i want to point out first of all i think i'll point out that in matthew 24 christ is referring to daniel chapter 11 and to other sections in daniel as well such as daniel chapter 9 and this is in particular in relation to the Antichrist setting up the abomination in the temple when the Jewish temple is restored. God is emphasizing that the time to get ready for his coming is short and the hour is urgent for us to prepare because right now, they are getting into the first steps of rebuilding the temple. And when that time comes, When the temple is rebuilt, you know it's really soon that the Antichrist will come on the scene. Oh, but we'll be raptured before then. Do you really think so? That's not what is revealed in Matthew 24. That's not what is revealed in other parts of the Word of God as well. For example, in Revelations, I believe it is chapter 12, it's talking about the three unclean spirits coming out of the false prophet and the antichrist and the beast it's talking about the kings of the east crossing the euphrates and all of that and it's really about the last part of the reign of the antichrist and at that time it says behold I come as a thief blessed is he that keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame he's coming as a thief for the body of Christ brothers and sisters for those that love his appearing. And so I want to point this out in Matthew 24, so we may turn to these things. And I, of course, do this without much preparation, so I have to go to Matthew 24 now, and I probably won't get to it by clicking an arrow. Nevertheless, who knows? But I will go there briefly to just point some things out in Matthew 24 first. So we're gonna go and turn to Matthew chapter 24, which gives a very clear chronology of the events that will happen in the last days, referring back to Daniel chapter 11 particularly. And so I want to um, turn there now. I think I already have Daniel, yeah, uh, Matthew 24 right here. So we'll go there now. And here we are in Matthew 24, and I'm going to go down. Because I can only touch on these things. I mean, if I went into depth on this, you'd be having hours and hours. It would be a series. But um, it says here, beginning in verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. If we've ever seen iniquity abounding, we are seeing it now with the terrible... Things that are happening in the schools the terrible doctrines of demons that are being promoted in schools to destroy the family we know all about it the, the terrible things that are happening but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come and really even the translation of the Bible I believe is expected to be completed around 2030, or somewhere around that time. I have seen this once when I heard someone talking about this that was an expert in this and involved in that work of translating the scriptures. But then it says this When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains, and so on. And I'm not going to go into all the details here. Because I'm going to explain more of it in Daniel chapter 11. So when the Antichrist sets up himself as God in the Jewish temple that will be restored... And sets up this abomination, which happened with Antiochus Antiochus Epiphanes earlier in history in the Greek Empire. this same thing happened, and it's shown in the book of Daniel there, and I'll explain that. But then it makes it very clear that this is going to happen at the very end as well by someone else. It's not Antiochus Epiphanes, which means manifestation of God. Isn't that interesting? he thought, he is God. Yeah, he sets himself up in the temple like he's God. even has a name that's manifestation of God. That's already happened in history. A fore picture of what's to come. But we read here, For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world. To this time no nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. And I'm going to show you how in Daniel 11 that is literally shown to be the case. You will find in Daniel 11 that it describes the shortening, or pardon me, Daniel 12, it describes the shortening of these days. So we will go to that soon. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I've told you before, wherefore, if they shall unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. And then it describes the sudden disappearing of the saints, of those that are in a love relationship with God. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For and this is why you know it's not just the Lord coming like suddenly like lightning. Because for wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. In other words, eagles are attracted to death. Likewise those that know God are abiding in life, so they are attracted to life. And there is suddenly this tremendous magnetic pull, so to speak, that causes as it were, a quantum leap where there's the sudden translation of the saints. That magnetic pull of love that of assemblies around the world. It's immediately after the tribulation of those days that the sun is darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. So there's this tremendous tribulation time. And after that, that's when the sun and the moon are darkened, When the tribulation has subsided, as is shown to be the case in Daniel 12, as I will point out. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So though there is this sudden disappearing, which probably happens after the sun and moon are darkened because of what it says in verse 31 that we're about to read. At the same time, everyone is seeing a gradual appearing of the Son of Man, which is also described in Revelations chapter two, where it says that they will cry for the rocks to hide them from the face of him that sits on the throne. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Because they've rejected the ultimate manifestation of love. They had the opportunity to ask God to forgive them for their sins and to be reconciled with God. Instead, they hardened their hearts to the point of having an anti-existent, anti-life, hell-contagious state of being. But even then, God uses great trials upon the earth as is described in the book of Revelation that people might repent and be reconciled to God and be saved. And he shall send his angel, angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together as elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So there's this sudden gathering together of those that are in this Deep love union with God, which is what's called the rapture, but more accurately, the translation, the sudden translation of those that are truly believers in Jesus Christ that are living that life. And so I want to point out now, and so we're going to go to the book of Daniel, which probably I can get in just the notes here because I've paste a lot of this stuff in the notes. So I want to go to the book of Daniel here, but I think it's appropriate that I also open to the book of Daniel. So I will attempt to do that. So I'm at Daniel 12. That's good. I'll go to Daniel 11. Now, what I want to point out to you all here in case you're not aware of it is that there is a detailed description in here. that was foretold a hundred years before these events happened by the prophet Daniel. And this is very detailed. It's one of the strongest evidence for the supernaturalness of the Bible that it is indeed the Word of God. Because all the events are so detailed that are described here that took place and were prophesied a hundred years before they happened. And they all in detail fully were fulfilled. Now I want to show you on youtube where you can look up this for yourself so you know that i'm not just saying words here that all of these historical events which are described here they all already happened but then daniel jumps into the future but i want to go through i'm not going to read all this for time i'm going to point out some videos you can look at that i found were very good that i looked at that explain all of this and so that you know that this is real. There's no way in the world that anyone could possibly describe all of this stuff in detail 100 years before it happened and have it all come true because it's so detailed, down to the most amazing detail. Um, and so I wanna go now. I'm going to minimize myself here in a moment. As soon as I do that, I'm gonna do it now. And when I minimize myself, I got to watch it because the sound can go out. So I got to hit minimum twice. So here we go. Now I'm going to uh, expand this. And I'm going to show you some of this stuff in Daniel. If, now I typed in here this. You don't probably have to type this in to, to get these videos. But the videos, these videos here are about all these detailed events. And they're very detailed and long videos. So I don't suggest you watch those because they're hours long and it's a whole series. But I found this video here, which is part two, there's a part one and there's a part three, is really, really good and doesn't, you know, it's still long, but it's only 20, you know, about a half hour for each video. And it shows all of these prophecies that have been already fulfilled and explains it all really well. So I want you to be aware of that. And that is why I'm showing you these here. And I don't have time, of course, to go into watching this. It's just to point out where to go. But I bet you if you type in your Daniel 11, uh, you would still get those videos because I got the epic in-depth study. Well, that's because I copied the first one, Well, study part two. Uh, oh, that might be the older one. That was the older one. What, all you have to do is type in Daniel 11 and probably um, something like, uh, what's here? Explaining Daniel's prophecies. Whoops. Sorry there. I don't want to uh, get carried away with anything here. Hopefully I can get back. So if you type in Daniel whoops. My mistake. 11. Explaining Daniel's Prophecies. That should bring you to those videos. It's a little easier to type that in. I'll see if I can bring them up here. And if it does do that. There it is, right there. And I think this might be part one up here. No, it could be part one. But anyhow, this is the one you want, Explaining Daniel's Prophecies Part 2, and you can find the other parts. So I just wanted to point that out. Now, I'm going to go back here and explain what I'm doing here now. Um, Whoopsie-daisy. What did I do there? Who knows? um uh, daniel 11. Well, oh, wow that did something with the key <laughs> so what i'll do is i'll just go back to daniel chapter 11 again and of course i do have these passages maybe in my notes so I think I'll just go to my notes for the time being on this. So here in my notes, I have some of the parts of Daniel 11 that are getting towards the point where it goes from the past into the future. Then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom, but within a few days he shall be destroyed, neither in anger in anger, nor in battle. Now, this is still, I believe, well, no, it isn't. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. And with the arms of a flood shall they be overflown from before him and shall be broken. Yea, also the prince of the covenant. And after the league made with him He shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. He shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province. And he shall do that which his fathers have not done. He shall scatter among them the prey and the spoil and the riches, yea. He shall forecast his devices against the strongholds even for a time. He shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south and this is still actually talking about the past here, believe it or not. Um, and the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great army. This is about Greece and Assyria, and I believe it is, a, well, it was the uh, king of Esther, believe it or not, that was in this battle here. It was all fulfilled in detail to the total detail. I can't go into it for time. I want to get to the key verse here that would only be appropriate for this particular passage of Scripture. And that is um, coming way down here, I believe, to around verse 35 or 33. I want to describe where he sets up the abomination of desolation. That's what I'm looking for right now. Of course, this is just done by ad lib, so I'm just getting to that verse which I believe is somewhere here Um, yeah here it is this is it here I guess it starts around verse 30 maybe well we'll start around verse 30 For the ships of Chittim shall come against him, which are the ships from places like Britain or the West, calls the young lions of Tarshish in another passage. So they could be from the United States. Therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. An arm shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. So here the temple is rebuilt, right? And this is the Antichrist. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Do you know your creator. Well, you will know him if you're walking in a wholehearted, pure love relationship with him, where you're allowing him to be the full control center and treasure of your life. That's the reason that motivates you, the focus of everything you do. Oh, you might fall and fail a few times here and there and and, and be deceived by lust or whatever, you repent and confess your sins and you pick yourself up and you get and you go on, but you continue until those things fall off and you come into greater and greater wholeness because the more your life is in a life of holiness controlled by the Spirit of God, the more the wholeness of God dwells in you that replaces what is the opposite of wholeness, that grasping state of being that is like a black hole in outer space or like a cracked a crack in a vessel that leaks water. You do not want to feed on the things of death that draw from the life of God, but you want to be filled with the gold of his presence that fills the cracks in your being that tend to grasp so that you have an overflow of life or an overflow of the anointing oil of God's life that can be used to bring life to others and set them free from the bondage that they are in. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame and by captivity and by spoil many days. Now when they shall fall, they shall be helped and with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries, and some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. And the king shall do according to his will. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that it is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he himself shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. And a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. And there's so much here. And at the time of the end, shall the king of the south push at him. And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. It goes on. And he shall enter into the glorious land, which is Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape, Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. And he shall stretch forth his hand upon the countries. And the land of Egypt shall not escape, but he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And it goes on, but tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make away many. And he shall plant his, the tabernacles of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Now maybe that was a lot to read. But here's what I want to emphasize is Daniel chapter 11. So we want to go to Daniel chapter 11 here. I'm going to just turn to or Daniel chapter 12. Because this is where I want to point out certain things. That I mentioned in Matthew 24 that I would point out. And So we're going to find Matthew right now or not Matthew Daniel chapter 12 we're turning to Daniel chapter 12 one moment here here we are Daniel chapter 12 this is where we see some tremendous insights into what's going to happen at the very end at that time Shall Michael stand up the print, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that is found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That is interesting. Because Revelations 20 talks about two resurrections, so that last part must be the second resurrection because those are the ones that are not saved, that are raised in that second resurrection described in Revelations 20. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And now we've really seen that, haven't we, in our lifetime. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood another other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on the other side of the bank of the river. And the one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever that it shall be for a time and times and a half a time. And that means for a year and then two years and a half a year. That's basically what that means from all the scholars that have studied this. So I'm not going to go into why it means that, but it does actually mean that. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. That's the time we're living in but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. So now we have some interesting things about the days that I mentioned I would point out from Matthew 24, because it said, except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. And so it says here, from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days, which is around three and a half years. So, when this abomination is set up, it's going to involve three and a half years. But then it says this, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and and five and 30 days, which is 45 days later. This persecution of the believers stops, and there's a period of 45 days where it's cut short. The days are shortened, and this terrible tribulation is not there. That is when the sun and the moon go dark when they begin to see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven coming. And it says then, blessed. So you get to the 45 days past this great tribulation time. Whoever endures to that time will actually be alive when Christ returns. That's when he returns with the myriads of saints and the Mount of Olives splits in half. And we know there's a major earthquake fault going right through the middle of the Mount of Olives. And, of course, there's a Jewish lad that experienced. He died, and he experienced seeing all of this and didn't know this was in the scriptures. And he's interviewed by these Jewish rabbis and the whole congregation as he describes what he saw in the afterlife. And he saw these events and the resurrection that happened a little later and so on. So God is speaking very clearly in this hour. It is coming as soon. We don't know. It may not be long when there's a major overthrow of the terrible corruption that is in the world right now in so many institutions and governments and high places, because the momentum of so many people knowing what's happened is greatly multiplying and the legal and the lawyers and all of this, it is getting to the point where there's going to be an overthrow around the world of this corruption. And I believe this will also result in multitudes of souls coming to believe in Jesus Christ and coming into the kingdom of God. It says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And also, this is what we saw earlier in the last message I gave, which was on Ezekiel 38. In Ezekiel 38 describes a time when all the nations come against Israel and they are totally destroyed, not by Israel's military might, but by God's intervention. And at that time, multitudes around the people will realize that God is real and they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And there will be a season of a great and gathering of the harvest And then, I don't think that'll take that long after that. It might be four years or who knows. But then after that, this Antichrist system is going to take over and the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and these events will happen and then there will be the destruction of the Antichrist because when the Mount of Olives splits in half and Christ stands, according to the Jewish lad, in between those two mountains that split in half, the mountain that splits in half. And the armies have destroyed two-thirds of Israel, tortured many of them, and so on. At that point, no one can come near Jerusalem. God's presence comes there. And then his presence causes an earthquake to happen over the whole earth. It's so powerful that all the high towers around the world collapse. But wherever God's people are assembled, they're protected. And things don't collapse around them, etc., Also, the air, as described in Isaiah 33, will fill with the presence of God's glory and brightness around the world. And the wicked, when they breathe the air, will literally be burned to ashes by breathing it in. But those that know God will be alive. That is the events that are going to soon happen. They're going to bring the kingdom of God to merge with this very inferior physical dimension. There will be some merging of this other dimension, which is secular scientists believe is the fifth dimension. Well, you can learn more about that in my book at Amazon titled Afterlife Incredible, Irrefutable. But God is calling his people now to be brought together in community around the world so that when this happens, we are in such a unity that fulfills John 17, that this will be the case. That everything around us will not fall and we will literally be worshipping God in the midst of all the destruction and see the return of Christ. Now of course, if we're walking in a close love relationship with Christ, we're going to be translated so I don't know how there's congregations down there as well worshipping, but that's what I I know there is because it describes people praising God on the earth in worship when he returns. So how that all fits together, who knows. But that's what I'm sharing today. God bless you. Thank you for watching this message. I highly recommend you watch those videos I pointed out. I think it's important to know these things in preparation for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Thank you.